And, uh, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to uh, Mark chapter 12. You know, I remember when uh, it was actually before, well, I guess we had been uh, officially become pastors of the church, but we hadn't yet come here. And uh, I don't even think Pastor Dennis and Amy had left yet. And I remember I went to lunch with Paul Trokel. And many of you know he's a missionary that we support to Tanzania, Africa, uh, doing a tremendous work there. And so I went to lunch with him. Uh, I've known Brother Paul for a long, uh, I should say he's known me for a long time. He's known my parents probably most of my life. And uh, I remember he told me one time, he said, man, because I was like, you know, he was a pastor in Magnolia for many years, 14 years, I believe. And uh, I asked him, I said, Pastor Paul, I said, you know, you, you were a pastor for a long time. I said, what's the one piece of advice that you could give me, um, you know, about, you know, which I mean, if you know Brother Paul, it's, you, you just never know what you're going to get. And he looked at me and he says, teach on love often. He said, it'll do well for your people. He, and he told me, he said, every six months, I put it on the calendar. I was going to teach on love. And, uh, you know, so I don't put it necessarily on the calendar, but, uh, you know, I did go back and look. It's been about a year. And so I need to follow some instruction from a man who's wiser than me. And, uh, you know, to, to share along this line tonight. And I believe that not only will the Lord um, speak to you, but I also believe you'll be encouraged and strengthened before you leave tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, let's start here in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Uh, It says that, and one of the it says here that one of the uh, teachers of religious law was standing there listening to a debate. Now they were debating about the resurrection, so this really has nothing to do with Jesus. Had a way of doing that. The Pharisees and the religious people would ask him a question, and he would answer in a completely different response. So just so you know, kind of what's happening here, they were asking him, you know, about resurrection, about this and that, and so, um, so there's a religious leader standing there listening, though, and it says, and he. Uh, he realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus responds and says, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. I think that pretty much encompasses all who we are. Every part of our being, spirit, soul, and body, we are to love the Lord God. And he says in verse 31, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. No other commandment is greater than this. What? That we love God and that we love others. Now, if we don't love God, we can't love others. So, I mean, if there's a hang up there, I think we've got to first start with that area of our own heart and our own life. And allow. And I would even say it even this far is that if we don't understand how much we're loved by God, it will make it difficult for us to love other people as well. And so it's important for us to know, kind of, I mean, just ground level, first base, if you will, how much you're loved. Because when you understand how much you're loved, it will make it a lot easier for you to be able to walk in love with some other people. And, uh, you know, and so, um, you know, and so many times I think that we can uh, lose sight of this principle in our life and yet it affects every part of our life. And, uh, you know, whether it's family, whether it's work, whether it's church, wherever it may be, you're going to have opportunities to walk in love with people. You're going to have opportunity to, to live out the Bible. You know, James chapter 2 says what? Let us not just be hearers, but be doers. So we've actually got to do what Jesus is talking about here. That word love there is defined as this. It says to have genuine care and affection for. 
genuine care, like honest, like, man, I really deep down care for you. You know, and we're called not just to love one another as Christians, but we're also called to love the world around us. And it's not based on who they are or what they do. Regardless, we are to walk in love. And that's who we're called to be. And as I said, this is mature living. This is mature Christianity. Why? Because this ain't for the faint of heart. Because I, you know, and I understand why, because I've dealt with people and just like you've dealt with people. But if I love people, I'm going to get hurt. Probably. Well, we got a God who heals. You know, I mean, I, and it's one of the things even, and I've said this since really before I ever even went into the full-time ministry, is that God, I never want to become jaded. And really what I mean by that is I never want to lose the ability to love people. I don't want to do this life as a Christian just out of ritual or out of this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm not just trying to be a better person when I'm talking about walking in love. I'm not trying to just be nice and be sweet. I mean, and it goes back to what it says here. To have genuine care and affection. I'm not trying to play nice on the schoolyard. I want to genuinely and affectionately love people. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. That's how he influenced people. And I believe that there's nothing greater that we can do as believers than to show the love of God to those around us. Many people will never see, and even more importantly, will never experience the love of God if we don't show them. You know, I mean, whether that's through showing care, whether that's being there for somebody in their moment of need, whether that's something as simple as just calling somebody and saying, hey, I'm just thinking about you. I wanted you to know that you were on my heart today. And to somebody who is maybe having a rough day, a bad day, a lonely day, that could be all they needed to hear. Is that, hey, I was, I'm loved today. And love has to be shown. You know, I heard a story one time of a man who was married uh, to a lady and they'd been married for 40 something years and, you know, and they go to the, um, to the pastor because they were having some problems and so they sit down and he's like, well, what's wrong? And she's like, He's just not affectionate. Like, he now, I don't even know if he even likes me. You know, and they've been married all these years. And so, you know, she gets there and they're talking back and forth. And finally, she says, he doesn't even say he loves me. And the pastor looks and he's like, how long have y'all been married? And he, she said, 40 something. I think I want to say it was 42 years. This is actually a real story. This isn't something made up. This is a real story. And, uh, but, uh, and, the, and the guy looks up and says, well, I told her when I married her, didn't I? Well, I don't know what kind of woman that you men may be married to, but my wife likes affection. She wants me to show love. Now, I'm not wired that way. I'm more of a, I told you I loved you, didn't I? I'm here, ain't I? Like, but that doesn't work for her. She needs a hug. She needs some affection. She needs to know that I'm thinking about her. So I have to do what I don't want to do sometimes. And now I don't mind it. I kiss my wife goodbye every day. Not because I just want to kiss her in the morning, because I would just as that walk out the door just in myself. I don't mean that wrongly, but it, but you know what? But I do sacrifice and I show her affection, and and I, and I communicate to her in the way that she receives love. And even in that, we're called to show affection and love to those around us in a proper way. Don't need to, you know. <laughs> yeah, Mike, you can kiss your family. All right. Yeah. No. Keep it in the family. 
No, but we are. We are called to show the love of God to those around us. And sometimes that's challenging. Why? Because people are people. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we're difficult to love. How many of you don't think you're difficult to love? Both of y'all. Of course. The one family. Y'all like, no, we we just beautiful. No, I mean, we can all have our moments. We all have our moments. And so does everybody else. But, the, but one of the things that should be really a marker or something that should signify us as believers is our ability to walk in love. Yeah. You know, and I believe that even in the days to come that love is more and more and more in our culture. It's not understood much. And I believe it's just, you know, especially unconditional love. Like, why would you do something nice for me? You don't know me. I don't have to know you. I have the Jesus is in my heart and I just wanted to be a blessing. You do something like that, people look at you like you're crazy. You know, I mean, it's just kind of like, what? Why would you do this? Just because. Because I genuinely care for people. And you're like, well, I don't genuinely care for everybody. If you, The closer you walk with the Lord, you, the more you will love people. Because that's His heart. And, and so, you know, it, it's important that we understand that. And that's evidence that God has truly done something in our life. By human nature, we are selfish. All of us. Now, some people may be more bent up, but we're all born selfish. That's just the sin nature. And yet, the more we walk with the Lord, the more we will learn to be aware of those around us and, and even uh, sensitive to those around us. Uh, you know, for me and my personality, I can be so driven that I'm task-oriented. I've got my blinders on, you know. i got something to get done. What about when the Lord wants me to stop what I'm doing, get off my course, but to actually love somebody? Well, that's tough for me. Now, some people, man, they're just wired that way. They're like, I got a job to do, but I'm just looking for somebody to love on right now. Well, I'm not wired that way. But yet that doesn't release me from walking in love with people. There's another passage of scripture over in Matthew chapter 4, or sorry, Matthew chapter 5. That Jesus even takes it to another level. Goes a little bit deeper. Jesus has a way of doing this. He's just digging into our life, right? Digging into our heart. And uh, so he says that we're supposed to love God and then we're supposed to love other people. But here in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read this out of the message translation, but I'm going to start in verse 43. It'll be up on the screen for you as well in the message. But it says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. Like those who like you, don't like those who don't like you. Verse 44, Jesus says, but I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let, the, let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. Now think about that. The people you don't like can actually bring out the best in you. Now that's going to take some faith. It's going to take the help of the Holy Spirit. But your enemies can bring out the best in you. It says, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. Not what you should have said to them. You know, we always have that five minutes after, like, you know, that the day after quarterback thing. It's like that, man, I should have said. If I, I wish I would have thought about when they said it. No, let them bring out the best in you and respond with prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves. I love the way the message says this. When we walk in love, we're working out of our true selves, our God-created selves. Now, I said this earlier that we were all born selfish. Well, I've got good news for you. 
If you're saved, the Bible says you have been reborn. Not as selfish, but as selfless, as generous, as a giver, as someone who wants to love. So even though I may not be born or wired a certain way, I have now been reborn in the nature of God. You have been reborn in the nature of God. And yet here it says that we can actually live out of that true self. I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. I may be trying to unlearn some old bad habits. But when I walk in love, I'm actually walking in who God has recreated me to be. All I have to do is to cooperate. I'm not trying to do it. I just have to tap into it. You know, and so he keeps on going here. So he says that we can live out of our uh, true selves. He says this is what God does. He gives his best. The sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone regardless the good or the bad. The nice, and I love this, the nice and the nasty. You know, there's some people that can act in a certain way that there's just no other way to describe it. It's just nasty. They're just not nice. They're just mean and mean ain't really adequate. They're just nasty. They just, you know, the Grinch didn't go away at Christmas. He lives at their house the rest of the year. Like, you know, like that's where the Grinch lives, right? And yet here it says that God gives the sun and even the rain to everyone. It says in verse 46, it says if you do, or it says if all you do is love the lovable, what do you, or do you expect a bonus? Anyone can do that. Verse 47 says, if you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? (laughs) He says, any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, anybody can do that, right? In verse 48, it says, in a word, what I'm saying is this. Grow up, your kingdom subjects. Now live like it and live out of your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards other others the way God lives towards you. See, that's why I say that it's important to understand how much God loves you. Why? Because when you understand how much God loves you, it gives you the ability to now say, now I know how I'm supposed to treat other people. I mean, I've never got God to tell me, try again tomorrow. You're a little nasty with Dara today. I'm not going to listen to you. Come back tomorrow. God's never, like, I've never, I'm, I've never had the Lord tell me that. So that tells me that even when people maybe are nasty, I don't get the right to tell them, come back tomorrow because I don't want to deal with you today. Why? Because that's not the nature of the Father in us. It says here and gives us the instructions it says to live generously and graciously towards others. Generously and graciously. The Bible says that Jesus, in uh, John 14, it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. It's not an either or. It's a tension between the two. That, that we're called to walk. It doesn't mean that we just look. I mean, if my son is going, you know, sometimes he'll be around the stove while Dara's cooking. I'm not mad at him to say, hey, let's get away from the oven. Mama's frying some chicken like the other night. And you need to get back. I know you want some chicken. I do too. But we got to wait. But right now it's dangerous for you to be there. Right. It's, there's nothing wrong. And it, it truly is, the, is really, a, I would say, mature love to say, I need to tell you something that's true because I love you. Right. 
Now, I need to be gracious in how I do that. But I do still speak the truth. Hey, I see what you're doing. And, I, and I'm telling you, I know where this road leads. And it, it's going to hurt you. And I love you enough to tell you. Love is not, well, you know, I'm just going to pray for them. Now, I say this. It's inside. To me, I always say that correction should always come inside of the context of a relationship. I don't go getting up in everybody's business that I don't know. If I know them, then, hey, I'm concerned about you. You know, and I expect that from my friends as well, from people that are close to me, that, hey, if you see something in my life, you better care about me enough to say something. You know, and I've told my friends that. I give you the ability and the right. If you see me acting a fool, you know, then you've got that right. And we're actually called to do that, but it's graciously as well, loving those around us. Even, Jesus says here, our enemies. Yeah. Other translations talk about those who despitefully use you. That takes it even a little further. So it's like, golly, like just leave me alone, Jesus. <laughs> like, you know, but he just keeps. Why? Because it's in us. The love of God is in us. The Bible says that it has been shown abroad in our hearts. That means that we have the ability to do this. This isn't something that we're trying to figure out. The Amplified Bible of verse 48 there says this of Matthew 5. It says, you therefore must be perfect, growing. And now this is when it says really the word perfect. Anytime you see that in scripture, it talks about uh, maturity or a growing into. In other words, we may not be there yet, but we can grow into this. It says, uh, you therefore must be perfect, growing into the complete maturity of godliness in mind, in character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your heavenly Father is perfect. Grow into the fullness, that maturity of all godliness in my mind, so in my thoughts. In my character, that's the way I go about life. Until I've reached the proper height of virtue and integrity. Well, when do we get there? I don't know. I'm not there yet. <laughs> if I was there, I could tell you where there is. But I don't know. I'm trying to get there. Right? And we should all be wanting to get there. See, God's love in us is the defining factor between us and every other belief system. It truly is. It's the hallmark of Christianity. God so loved It's the difference is that, and it really is the benchmark for us as Christians for maturity. Amen. Don't tell me that you're spiritually, spiritually mature, but you can't walk in love with someone who's not nice to you. Uh-huh. Or when they, you don't get what you want, when you want, how you wanted it. Now you can't walk in love. It's like, well, hey, that doesn't support scripture. So that's actually immaturity. You know, I mean... Max is 18 months old and we're starting to get to that stage where, you know, he kind of throws some fits. He sits down and screams and gets all red and he's immature. I kind of expect that from him. When he's, you know, 15, we're not going to have that kind of behavior. Or he can go live outside in the shed. I don't know, but we're not going to have that kind of behavior in my house. Like, we're going to have to deal with some things. Why? Because I expect a certain level of maturity from him. Now, I don't expect him to be grown. I expect him to be a teenager. His fits will look different. But by the time he's 25 and 30, 
I'm going to expect to start seeing some maturity in his life. Hopefully. He better be. Send me to grandma. She'll line him out. She'll line him out too. Now here's something. Here's a few just thoughts for you about love. Just some characteristics that I, uh, that I put down here. Is I believe that number one that love honors. Love always honors. If you, if you really want to walk in love but you're not quite sure how. Have the thought. Is, is what I'm about to say honoring. Love honors. Because see. Love does not mean. And even for this matter. Honor does not mean that it's earned. Respect is earned. Honor is given. That's why the Bible doesn't say respect your parents. Right? It doesn't say that. What it does say is honor your parents in the Lord. In other words, if you can't honor your parents, you can in the Lord. Why? Because there's a blessing that will come. Whether they were good, bad, they could have been nasty parents. You still honor them. Why? Because you do it as unto the Lord. The Lord doesn't say to respect everybody, but He does say, hey, we need to give honor. So love honors. Number two, I believe, is that love lifts. Love will always lift people up. Love does not tear down. Love does not belittle. Love does not, um, you know, try to pull down. No, it lifts up. It builds up. It's a strength to those around us. So if you really want to know how to, to walk in love with people, be encouraging. Be graceful. Look for the best in people. We'll look at that verse here shortly. Look for the best and then speak to them about it. I mean, it's amazing to me. I mean, one of the simplest things, you know, that I believe that we, that, that one human can do for another human being is simply these words. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Now, especially in the context of a church, as we see people growing and we see people maturing in the faith, we ought to encourage them. Hey, man, I just want you to know I can see a difference in you. I can see the Lord working in your life and I can see where you're growing and maturing, man. And it's awesome to watch. Well, I don't know about you. That would make me feel pretty good. It definitely wouldn't discourage me. And it says, hey, somebody's actually seeing what the Lord's doing in my life. And that encourages. Well, that's a way to show people that you love them. Here's another one. Is it love protects? Now, there's, it's just kind of twofold. Love protects us and love protects others. Now, this kind of ties back in with what I was saying earlier about grace and truth. Is that if, you know, because love will protect and it will try to not, and it protects us first, but it also will cause us to do things outside of even our normal uh, life, if you will. Love protects. Love protects. You know, I mean, there are, you know, I would not let anybody do anything that I even deemed rude to my wife. Like, I mean, you ain't even got to disrespect her. If you're just rude to her, I'm going to have a problem with that. Why? Because I love my wife. Right? I mean, and that's why. Because I'm going to protect her. I don't want anybody to say anything to her or to do anything to hurt her in any way. And so, as a husband, I'm to love her. I'm to love my my family. I'm to love those around me. But love also protects. It, love will even do this. If you see somebody else who, like an injustice is being done to someone else, kind of take you back to your school days, you wouldn't let somebody get bullied. Yeah. It'll step in and be like, hey, I think that's enough. 
You know, I used to, uh, obviously I should say I used to watch it. I've seen it a few times. There's a show on TV called What Would You Do? Anybody ever seen that show? They put people in these kind of interesting situations and, um, and they just kind of video it. And they just kind of see how people would, like, would you say something if somebody was rude to the clerk? Like, just kind of over the top, just nonstop rude to the, the lady, you know, ringing up your groceries. And then they kind of ask people, why, why would you say something? Why wouldn't you say something? You know, like, and, and it's interesting just to see, you know, like I said, I've only seen the show a few times, but it has been interesting. And it's amazing that many people have said this, it was just the right thing to do. Like, why did you speak up? It was just the right, I mean, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Well, sometimes we need to be motivated from love where it's just from the standpoint of, hey, it's, yeah, it's the right thing to do. It's the godly thing to do. If Jesus were here, he would have done this. Well, and that may be even protecting somebody, you know, but it also, the other side of that is that when we walk in love with other people, it protects our heart from resentfulness, from bitterness, from unforgiveness, from anger. I mean, there's lots of things. That we can keep the enemy at bay simply by protecting our heart, our own heart. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because that's the direction of your life. That's where you're headed. If your heart's in good shape, you're all right. You're going to be good. But if there's things that the enemy has gotten into your heart because we've not walked in love, because somebody was an enemy and now we've taken hold and said, I will never trust that person again. Now, let me say this. There's a difference between trust and love. I can love you and be like, from a distance. Right? I mean, there are, you know, now that I would say this, that is rare. That it's like, hey, I got to love you from a distance. Well, we need some space because I can't trust you. So, I mean, there's a difference there. Um, You know, and that's something you got to pray about. Get some wisdom from other people. Get some counsel about. Pray about, yes. But, you know, you're not going to let somebody continually come in and to abuse you at any level. It's like, hey, I can love you, but that doesn't mean I have to give you access to every part of my life. I still believe in you. I'm still praying for you, but from a distance. So it's important that we do that. And here's the reason why, like what I just said about loving from a distance, because love will restore. If we allow it to, love can restore even people. So there's some time, though, between, uh, if you want to say it like this, is that there's, there's, there, there can be time between the act and then forgiveness. Now, we've got to forgive immediately, but restoration may come later. But if we will continue to walk in love, I believe that restoration is always God's ultimate. Yes. It's always God's best. Now, that means they've got to be willing to own up to what they did and make choices to correct those things, so forth. They have their part to play. But I believe if we'll walk in love, it it leaves the bridge for restoration to happen. It's like the saying, you know, well, that guy's got too many burn bridges. Don't burn bridges to the best of your ability. Let me say it this way. Don't be the one to drop the match. If somebody else burns a bridge, that's on them. But always be there. I mean, you know, like even like what it says. You may have had somebody, just in a natural example, may have had a close friend that y'all had a falling out or a family member or however it may be. Well, how are you going to get restored if you won't even answer their phone call? Given some time, given that you're healed, given that God has worked in you, they may be trying to get, you know, God may be dealing with them. Well, but if you won't even have a conversation, how's that going to happen? 
Now, I say that as somebody in my family, I don't know why, but a certain side of my family is known for that. My grandmother talked to one of her brothers on his deathbed, and they hadn't talked in 30 years. Foolishness. Absolute foolishness. Brother and sister would not talk. And I think it was over something dumb, quite honestly. I think it was money. Somebody died. Somebody didn't get what they wanted, and they didn't talk. I think that's, I don't know that for certain, but I think I'm pretty sure that's what it was about. They just didn't talk for 30 years. Is that God's best? No. We shouldn't be offended. We shouldn't allow those uh, resentments to take root in our heart. Why? Because it's going to cost us. And it took my great uncle being on his deathbed for them to get restored. Well, they lost 30 years of relationship. You know, and, and that's flesh and blood. Much less going to another level and talking about other people. So love honors, love lifts, love protects, and love will restore. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom. Now he says my brothers and sisters, but you have been called to live in freedom, Christians. (laughs) Now understand, just stick with me here because you're going to be like, I don't know where we're going with this verse. It says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. We have been set free. As believers in Christ, the Bible says, but we're not to use our freedom to justify our behavior. I mean, that's my... Version of what that says. It says instead, we should, you could say it like this, we should be free to love without hesitation. I've been freed, I've been healed, I've, God has worked in my life so that now I can serve someone else by loving them. And it doesn't matter what the qualifiers may be, I've been freed. I have the ability to now walk in the love of God towards other people. Verse 14, it says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, verse 15, now let me just remind you. Galatians was written to a church. He's talking to church folk here. In verse 15, he says, But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Beware of destroying one another. The people you go to church with, you can actually tear down. But again, that's because we don't walk in love. It's because we're talking about each other behind each other's back. Now, I'm very thankful in this is that to my knowledge, and I hope I would know. But to my knowledge, we don't have a lot of backbiting. We don't have a lot of snippetiness. I mean, hopefully, if you've got a problem with somebody, here's how you take care of it. You go and say, hey, i got a problem. We need to talk. And if it's bad enough, you can call me, but you probably don't want to call me. I will come, but you might not be glad you called me after the fact. Because what I'm going to tell you, y'all need to grow up. The Bible says to grow up. These are petty things. I mean, not always. And I don't mean that wrongly or being mean. I mean some would say that jesting. But at the same time... A lot of our church problems could be solved if people would just do this. Hey, you said something and that hurt me. I'm just just being honest. And I don't want to lose love or affection, genuine love towards you because I'm offended and I got hurt. 
So I just want to come make it right. I know you didn't mean anything by it. I know you were sarcastic about it. But it hit me. A little harder than maybe even it should have. But I just need to get it out in the open. Because I want to make sure that we don't. We don't get tore apart. Now this is everybody's favorite part, right? This is that. Actually, you have my what I call my love confession there in your hand. Most of you know this. This is actually taped on my computer monitor at home. And, uh, you know, it's not taped, but it's sitting there now. But I, I did this because I was having some challenging people. For those of you who hadn't heard the story, I'll give you the, the back story on this. I was having a challenging time working with some people. You got anybody challenging to work with? And I was like, Lord, I need some help. And uh, so the Lord, I mean, you know, I have been taught these things. But, you know, just because you're taught something don't mean you know it. And uh, you may know it, but you don't know it. And, uh, you know, and so I began to ask the Lord, what, how do I get past this? Because they ain't changing. And, uh, you know, and that's the thing. Whether they change or not, it's irrelevant to God. Maybe I'm the one that's got to change. You know, and, and so, but he took me to this and uh, to this verse. And I'm going to read it out of the message translation. But what you've got there in your hands is what I call my love confession. You know, you can, people want to quote, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Well, you can add all of those things we're about to read here in a few minutes. I am all of these things. I am love. Now, that one ain't as joyous to say. I am prospered. I am blessed. I am healthy. I am whole. I am love. That one just doesn't quite have the same ring to it, you know. I mean, it's like, dang, that ain't as fun to confess. But yet we need to. Because this is practical. I mean, I don't know if you came to church tonight looking for some practical application, but this is practical stuff. This is like, love your neighbor. And sometimes that's a literal neighbor. I mean, anybody got a neighbor you don't like? Now, I'll just be honest with you. I've got some neighbors that I wish would clean up their yards. All your junk's blowing into my yard. Pick up your junk. See, I would go over and do it for them, but I couldn't keep my heart right. Because I'd be murmuring and complaining the whole time I'm over there. You jokers. So I ain't there yet. Maybe one day. Maybe one day, but I ain't there today. I don't know why I just said that. It's where I'm at, right? Just being honest. Just being honest. I'll know the Lord's really worked in my heart when I can go clean up their yards for them. I could go down a rabbit trail right there, but I'm going to stick with the Bible. Oh, man. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read verses 4 through 8. I'm going to read this out of the message translation first. Um, your confession is actually from the Amplified Bible. And uh, it just makes it... Leaves very little wiggle room. That's why the Lord gave it to me. And so what the Lord gave to me. It's like Paul said. What the Lord imparted to me. I'm going to impart to you. I'm just going to pass it on. You know. And um, But here in verse 4 out of the message it says this. And it just. It comes. I mean like in the message it just comes out swinging. Love never gives up. Like going for the knockout blow just from the start. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than it does for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. 
It doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't grovel when other or doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. That one's hard too. If he didn't get you with the first knockout blow, he came with a left hook and got you right there. Puts up with everything. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. That's a hard one too. It says, but it keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Now, if you want to know if you're walking in love, that's your checklist right there. I mean, like, I, I get convicted just reading them. Like, I ain't even got to pray about it. You know, some scriptures you got to pray about, and then you get convicted, right? This is not one of those verses. Like, you just read it, and it's like, golly. And all of a sudden, people start coming to mind. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of bad. See, this is who we are. This is what mature spirituality, mature Christianity will look like. When we've grown up into... I mean, I forgot how I worded that earlier. How did it say it? Um, hold on, I'm going to have to go back and look now. Oh, here it is. It was in Matthew five forty-eight. says that we're to grow into the complete maturity of godliness in mind and in character until we've reached or having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity. Well, that's walking in love with people. Grow up, grow up, grow. Why? Until you've reached the full height. Well, what's the full height? I can just tell you. It's Jesus. He's the measuring stick. I'm not there. I would venture to say with all the love in my heart that you're not there. But it doesn't mean that I can't get closer. You know, and, and, and people will be more motivated... By our love of them. Than they will be by our judgment of them. People are more drawn to the love of God. Than they are to the judgment of the church. Now wrong's wrong. Right is right. I'm not going to back off those things. The Bible's the Bible. It's the inspired flawless word of God. I'm not adding and I'm not taking away. What God says is bad is bad. Right? What God says is good is good. I'm not God. I don't get to, to change. But I do have the responsibility, because that's what it is. It's a responsibility to walk in love with people. Well, if I'm not paying attention just through the course of time, we all get jaded. You'll get to a point where, hey, man, I'm tired of seeing this person fail time after time after time after time. Now, the other thing I would say, depending on your relationship, love does not enable people either. It doesn't enable people to keep staying in a cycle. At some point, love says. You know, I was talking to... uh, uh, my friend Jason the other day, and he was telling me about a guy who had gone to a mental, it was actually like a mental psychiatric place. And um, he was talking about, he's like, you know, so it's the husband, the wife. And now this guy was, a, it's actually, uh, how many of you remember the guy, Henry Cloud, that spoke at the marriage conference last year? He's a Christian psychologist. How many of you remember him? Um, he was actually the one who was telling the story. And uh, so it was the husband, the wife, and one of their sons. And so they go and they sit down to have an appointment with him, which is in a psych ward somewhere or some kind of psychiatric facility. And um, so he's like, hey, you know, we've got a problem with one of our sons. We're really concerned about him and, uh, you know, so forth, so on. And he was like, okay, well, you know, tell me about your son. And so he's like, you know, he's gone through colleges. He's been through like four colleges. He's done this and that. He's just partying. He's just doing whatever, you know, living the life. And he's like, okay, well, is this your son who's sitting here with him? And he goes, oh, no, my son's in Vail. 
They're in California. And he's like, um, what's your son doing in Vail? He's like, oh, he's snowboarding, skiing right now. He's snow skiing. And he says, so let me get this straight. Your son's done, da, 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 you know, kind of list all these things. And he's in Vail skiing with a trust fund. This guy was a real successful gentleman. Uh, and he was like, hmm. He says, well, I can't help your son. And the guy's like, what? And he's like, your son doesn't have a problem. And he's like, what do you mean? He said, your son's done all these things. He's the one in Vail and you're the one sitting here in psych ward. He's like, your son doesn't have a problem. He said, you're the problem. Now he said, your son can have a problem and I can help you so that your son has a problem. But right now your son has no problems. No problems. No problems. Because you're enabling him. So love does not enable either. And, and, and there's a difference, and that's something that you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit on. You know, but that does not, those don't connect those dots necessarily. You know, so you have to be careful too. You know, I, I remember when I was a teenager, I used to hear this term, or not when I was a teenager, I'm sorry, when I was a youth pastor, I used to think about this. Because while I'm counseling with young people about their futures, their decisions, what are they going to do? Because they're right there at that pivotal age, you know, they're not grown up, but... You know, they're not a kid anymore, but they're trying to... And um, But I, I kind of would think about this phrase a lot, which was um, what they called prolonged adolescence. Which is what? You're a kid in a grown-up body. You're the kid in veil skin. You're prolonged adolescence. At some point, you got to put your pants on. Get a job. Like, go to work. Like, get a career, you know? I mean, things like that. You know, well, that's not me being mean. And there were young people that I had to sit down and say, hey, we got to talk. You're graduating next month. What are you doing? I don't know. Exactly. I love you enough to say, hey, wake up. Like summer only lasts a couple of months. <laughs> Fall is coming. I'm not telling you, you got to go to college, but you need a plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, college isn't for everybody. It's not. I remember one of my young people, I don't know why I'm saying all this, maybe it's good for somebody, I don't know. But one of my students in Kansas, he made this statement one time, and it really changed the way that I looked at this. And Because he was real artistic. He's probably one of the best artistic people. He actually made our logo for the church. He's the one I, I called him, I love it, because I call him and I say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Run with it. And then he gives me back something. And I'm like, that's better than anything I could ever thought of. Because I'm not wired like that. He's very creative. And, um, you know, and, and so anyhow, but somebody was talking to him about going to, you know, going to college, school. He was in an art school at the time, this and that. And he made a statement. He said, um, I believe in college for some, but education for all. College for some. If you're a book person and you need to, now, I mean, you know, you're going to be a doctor. You got to go to school. <laughs> no alternatives. If you want to, you know, you're going to be my CPA, you better go to school. You better know some pretty good math. You know, you, you're going to, but if I need my car fixed, I don't care if you went to college. Do you know how to fix a car? Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But there is that, hey, but even in that, even dealing with people, hey, at some point, I, I, I want to help you because I love you. And I want to help get you going in the right direction. Sometimes love is hard. 
Sometimes love is difficult. I mean, you know, I've used this phrase many times with people that I've either had in my life or, you know, because of just by virtue of what I've done. I've had young people. And I've kind of said this to a lot of them is this, is I love you enough to tell you what everybody else thinks. Like whatever else is saying behind your back, when you walk away, I'm going to tell you your face. And it's been on practical things. Like, hey, you're getting paid to do a job. Do the job. Because everybody else is saying you're lazy. I'm just going to tell you your face. You need to learn to work harder. (laughs) You know, and so there are some times like that. And I've had to have that conversation, not just with teenagers. I've had conversations with grown folk too. I love you enough to tell you what other people are thinking or what other people are saying. Not because I hear it, but because that same thoughts ran through my mind. (laughs) Like, I'm going to love you enough to tell you the truth. You know, but that's challenging. Because, hey, I want to tell them the truth, but I also want to be gracious about it. I want to say it in a way that it can be received, in a way that it can. Why? Because love lifts up. Love honors. I'm not trying to beat down or or berate in any way. No, I want to build up. Well, you know, and, and that's the challenging part. Sometimes. Not always, but sometimes it can be. How do I love and still tell them what needs to be said? There's a way, and that's where you rely on the Holy Spirit. How, what's my approach here? How do I do this? And the Lord will help you. And sometimes He won't tell you before, but you get in that moment, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, we've had it several times where, you know, me and Derek have talked about a situation, circumstance, and I'm kind of, you know, and we get in the room and she's like, you just turned into Jesus all of a sudden. Like, you're so loving and sweet, and I'm like, she's like, what happened? The Holy Spirit. Because what I thought, man, I'm getting ready to... <laughs> no, the, that grace comes in and all of a sudden. I, it's like, oh, no, that's the wrong course. Now, I'll just tell you, there have been times where it's come down too. Because that's what needed to happen. But that's where you got to know. That's where the Lord has to really help you. And so anyhow, so you have in your hands, and we're going to confess this thing out loud together. My love confession. Our love confession. Our MO for life. Right? Like, this is how we should function. You know, and I've said this, and I'll continue to say it, is that there's not a more powerful voice in your life than your own. So I believe in confession. I believe in speaking the word over my life. I believe in speaking the word over my family. I believe in speaking the word over this church. And so what this is, is 1 Corinthians, the verses we just read out of the Amplified Bible, but everywhere that it said love, I replaced it with I, so that I can identify with it. So, we're going to read this together. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. I endure long and impatient and kind. I am never envious nor boil over with jealousy. I am boastful, or I'm not... I See, I jacked it up. Man, I jacked it up. I bet I've been saying this for more than 10 years. Let's pick back up. Let me, let me pick back up so I can correct my error. I am not boastful or vainglorious. I do not display myself haughtily. I'm not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. I am not rude, unmannerly, and do not act unbecomingly. I, God's love in me, does not insist on my own rights or my own way. For I am not self-seeking. I am not touchy or fretful. Or resentful. I take no account 
of the evil done to me, I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I do not rejoice at an injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoice when right and truth prevail. Because of God's love in me, I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I am ever ready to believe the best of every person. My hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and I endure everything without weakening. My love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. Now see, you may not see it like this, but that little piece of paper is my gift to you tonight. <laughs> 